You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. It's time to get a view on South Korea and Japan now. And I am joined by Tokyo-based author and journalist William Pesek. Hi, William. Good morning. Great to have you on the show. I'd like to kick off, if we can, in uh, South Korea today, where the uh, Financial Services Commission recently released details of its Corporate Value Up program, which aims to prioritise shareholder returns. Now, this sounds similar to things we've heard from Japan recently, doesn't it? Yes, indeed. And it's quite a coincidence that uh, President Yoon, after 21 months in power, uh, chose basically the last 10 days when the Nikkei was rising to 34-year highs to finally, finally, finally unveil uh, an effort to improve corporate governance in Korea as well. So, and and earlier this year, President Yoon said that resolving the Korea discount is something he'd very much like to see happening. So can you explain what that is and how much of an issue it has been for uh, the COSPI? Well, I mean, the Korea discount really dates back to at least the Asian financial crisis of 1997. And is the idea that for a variety of reasons, global investors tend to undervalue the Korean market, you know, problems with regard to transparency, concerns about um, over-regulation in, in South Korea, concerns about uh, the limits to foreign exchange trading, uh, basically an intolerance towards short-selling and corporate governance that could use a bit of a facelift. And so the Korean market has always been kind of plagued by lower valuations than peers. And every president since then has promised to rectify the Korea discount. Uh, they've talked a lot about it. They've done very little to do so. And now it's President Yoon's turn to assume the position and also pledge to eradicate the Korea discount. And I think the fact that Japan is going gangbusters and getting a lot of attention globally for all the right reasons, it is in many ways catalyzing Korea to say, hey, us too. So do you think this program could see the cost be following the Nikkei's recent ascent? Can it prove successful? Well, I think it could if President Yoon's uh, basically his policymakers in the next few months uh, basically put some meat on the bones of these pledges. What we've seen over the last several days is talk of raising Korea's financial game, and that's great. But it's been very vague. Uh, There's been a lot of concerns about the lack of um, mechanisms to enforce uh, these provisions. And so certainly the president has until roughly June when he says he's going to come out with more specific guidelines. And that is Korea's real moment of uh, truth, if you will. And if investors are impressed by that, then certainly the Kospi index could in many ways uh, uh, track what the the, the Nikkei is doing. Korea definitely has the potential to play catch up to what Japan is experiencing at the moment. But I think many investors, uh, they've stopped listening to what Korean presidents say and they watch what they're doing. And I think this is one of those moments. Interesting, interesting. Now, moving on to something else we've heard from Korea recently, the Korea Trade Investment Promotion Agency, or COTRA, recently said the country should be looking at the opportunities mainland China's rising demand for aviation parts could offer. So just how fast is the aviation industry growing in China? What components are they lacking that Korea specializes in that could help? Well, this is a real moment of sunshine, if you will. In many ways, Korea and China have had a rough go the last five years or so, largely because of Korea's support for U.S. policies and weapons systems. And here is an example of 
Korea and, Korea and China finding a way to cooperate. And the potential for the aviation industry out of China is massive. And China basically turning to Korean parts and tools and equipment makers in a big way. Um, we're talking about parts for wings. We're talking about fuselage structures made from aluminum and titanium. We're talking about sheet metal molding parts and, of course, semiconductors. So we're talking Samsung. So in many ways, Korea is looking at China's burgeoning aviation industry and saying, you know, we need to be part of this. And our politics, our geopolitical concerns about U.S.-China relations have to take a backseat to this incredible business opportunity. Okay, so let's move on to Japan now. And as we mentioned earlier, the Nikkei has been on very much of a roll recently, reaching uh, highs that we haven't seen for a very long time. So how might this rally on the stock markets help Prime Minister Kishida's popularity? Well, it's certainly the, the you know the, the biggest burst of good news that the Prime Minister has had in a couple of years now. His approval ratings uh, began the year at about 17 percent, uh, which makes Joe Biden seem popular at the moment in the U.S. And so this is a moment where Japan is in the global headlines for all the right reasons. The problem, of course, is that investors are beginning to focus more and more on Japan and Japan's policies. And at some point, they're going to look around and they're going to look at the fact that the Nikkei is up 45% over the last 12 months. And they're going to look at financial, uh, financial and economic fundamentals on the ground. And they're going to wonder if, if investor enthusiasm is outpacing economic reforms. And to some extent, that is the case. Economic and financial gravity will reassert themselves at some point. And the key is that Prime Minister Kishida has to signal to investors, we're on top of things. Japan is moving forward with some fresh reforms. And so he's on the hot seat, if you will. Now, also, the, the Nikkei's role could complicate the Bank of Japan's plans to re hike rates, do you think? Yes. I mean, so in the last 24 hours, we've got some inflation numbers out of Japan, which were slightly hotter than people had expected. So there's been a lot of speculation that the BOJ would finally begin raising interest rates in the second and then basically the first part of this year. Um, but what's complicating that in some ways is the fact Japan also entered the year in recession and the Nikkei is surging. Does the BOJ really want to be the spoiler to this party? If the BOJ begins hitting the brakes, will it basically end the Nikkei's most important bull run in 34 years. And so it's an incredible balancing act. So I think that, you know, for Governor Oeda here in Tokyo, it really is probably one of the, uh, the most difficult jobs in, in economics this year. So, so what else is Governor Ueda keeping an eye on? As you mentioned, the uh, uh, core inflation there, it sort of beat forecasts and, and held at the central bank's 2% target. How, how difficult is that balancing act of keeping at that target for, for the governor? It's, it's quite big because, you know, in, in some ways, you know, Japan is the, sort of the, 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 the dog that caught, caught the car in certain ways because it's been trying to generate inflation for 20 years now. It's finally getting some, but this spring, basically next month in April, you're going to have this annual Shunto range of wage negotiations between unions and companies. There's a lot of hope that this is the year, finally, 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 when the Japanese salaryman will get a significant raise. The problem is that will be inflationary. Um, so if you're adding wage inflation 
to cost inflation. That's another added challenge for the BOJ. So good news for Japan's economy and for the Japanese workers is suddenly bad news if you're sitting at the BOJ trying to figure out what, how to prioritize the year ahead. So again, Governor Oeda, it's, it's a rough job. I, I, wouldn't, I don't envy him. Difficult job ahead. So I think it's March 13th when we're expecting many of those wage negotiations and all eyes are on those. Thank you so much for joining me today. Tokyo-based author and journalist William Pesek. Now, before we go, let's have a last look at what's happening on the markets this morning so far. We've got the ASX 200 down a tenth of a percent at 7,652. The Nikkei is down a smidgen at 39,229, while the Kospi has started moving upwards. It's up 0.2%, 2,630 at the moment. Hang Seng Futures pointing to a positive open for the day here, up almost a quarter of a percent to 16,830. On tomorrow's show, Stephen Philby will be joined by NCO Von File, a capital preservation specialist at Financial Shield, and Le Cher, who is Asia Chief Economist at BBVA Research. They will be helping dissect some of the numbers that you hear in the budget today. And in your money, given it's February 29th, uh, it will be February 29th, I'll be speaking with Eleanor Coleman, principal partner and founder of the Financial Empowerment Group in St. James's Place, not on whether women should be proposing to men on the leap year, but on how we can be empowering ourselves better financially. That's it from me today. Your host for Back Chat today will be Philip Wong and Jim Gould.